Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Thank you so much for being here today. What a great crowd we have here. As we continue our look through 1 Corinthians, now let me just ask you something. Have you ever felt beat down? Have you ever felt like, man, you know, I know the, the, the lie is the Lord won't put on any more on me than, than He will allow that I can take. And that's a lie. That's not in the Bible. God does put on you more than you can take. That is so you will depend on Him. That is so you will take Jesus' burden and give Him yours. So I don't know if you've ever felt down, you felt beat down, you felt like it was just a, a labor just to take your next breath, let alone uh, come to church and put on a smiley face and act like everything is okay when secretly you know it's not. Look, I understand that. I know what it means to come to church. I know what it means to put your best foot forward all the while in the back of your mind thinking, man, this is tough. Whatever you're going through. But did you know, did you know that you have power? Did you know that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you have unlimited power. Do you know that? Do you know that that whatever your circumstances are, through his power you can rise above it? And did you know that you have the power to make your life and this church at Holland Park Baptist Church, you have the power to be able... To see this church do amazing things. When I say you have the power, I don't mean it's you personally, but I mean it is the power of God flowing through you. And that's what we're looking at today. We are looking at a believer's power and gifts. So if you're, you're sitting here today and you think you don't have a lot to offer, if you feel like you're getting beaten down, I, I tell you what, our, our world, especially in the last 10 years, we are consumed with superheroes. Some of you of the oldest still remember when there were shows about Superman and Batman and other things. You know, it's just something that amazes us that where we see regular people getting special powers and doing things that are supernatural. But did you know that can be a reality for you, believer? Did you know? We don't like to talk about it, especially in Baptist churches a whole lot, when we start talking about this thing called the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, are Baptists supposed to talk about the Holy Spirit? That's what the Pentecostals do. We start talking about the Holy Spirit, people are going to start jumping pews and laughing and getting slain. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the Trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, and yes, God the Holy Spirit. He is part of the Trinity. And the thing is, is that God is given... Spiritual gifts to encourage and build up the body of Christ. To church and to prepare us for works of service until Jesus returns to make us complete. See, as we jump back into 1 Corinthians, I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 today. And uh, I'm going to split this in half because I know you want to be gone here before two hours is up, right? Because there is a lot here and we're just going to break it up. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. We'll talk about the body of Christ next week as we sang about in our song this morning. But in the book of 1 Corinthians, if you're just jumping in with us, Paul has been answering some questions that the church at Corinth had been 
asking them because they had started to shift in their theology. They started shifting in their doctrine. And the things in culture were starting to water down and infiltrate the church in a way that was not healthy. For example, if you were to just look at the Bible and you were to look at some of the highlights of what we were talking about here, we see that the church was divided over their favorite preacher. Still today, there are some people that are at their church because their preacher is popular or their preacher is better than somebody they had last time. But that, that look, preferences are fine. But when you identify yourself with, I am a member of that church and that person is my pastor and I get my identity in my church and in that pastor, that's what was going on here. And so what was happening is they were fighting. They were fighting between some thought that Paul was the real deal. Somebody thought Apollos was the real deal. Some thought Peter was the real deal. But then there were the, the purists who said, well, I follow Jesus and Jesus only. All four of them. The church was divided between those four camps. Many leaders had turned away from Paul's preaching in favor of human secular wisdom of those days, where the the popular thinkers of those days would get in their ivy halls and and their lecture halls, and they they would just talk about great and higher reasoning and all these great things, and that was incorporating into the church. Their relationships, marriages were in a shamble. Divorce was rampant. Singleness. People didn't understand where God's plan was in that. And it had taken on the characteristics of those who did not love God. And now we see that today, folks. It used to be back when I was a kid, I remember that there were families that were together, which was like 80%. And then those that had divorce was about 20%. But over the years, it went from 80, 20, 60, 40, 50, 50. And now I am sure that there's probably more people divorced than there are married. And that's just because of the world we live in. That's because of, of, of the priorities people have given themselves. And then also it is people denying the power that is within them. Well, they were proud about how spiritual they were. They were fighting over what, if it was right to eat meat that had been sacrificed to foreign idols. New believers that were Gentiles, meaning they were not Jews, they were trying to keep the sinfulness of their old ways of worship. You know, they had the Greek gods and they had all these other things they were doing. They were trying to to kind of force them together and it wasn't working, but it was kind of diluting everything that they were trying to do. So believers were wanting to hold on to their rights without regarding how it would impact somebody else. And then also... They were taking each other to court. Now, I'm not talking about things that were um, illegal. I'm not talking about things that were criminal, but I'm talking about frivolous things. You sell a lemon to somebody else, meaning a vehicle that does not work, and instead of figuring it out, you would, it, you would just kind of take them to court, which that was their first thing. That's what they wanted to do. And so with all that said, let's just jump in. What we see here is the Holy Spirit is the source of truth. The Holy Spirit is the source for truth and our spiritual gifts. Starting with verse 1, it says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities, the Spirit gives us. I don't want you to misunderstand this. King James Version says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. You know that when you were still pagans, talking to the Gentiles, right? 
You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. King James Version, some other versions say dumb idols. That doesn't mean dumb as in IQ. That means dumb as in cannot talk, cannot speak. So I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is answering their questions here. And he's answering it. Regarding spiritual gifts. And we see that what are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts, and I'll put this on the screen for you in case you want it. Spiritual gifts are special abilities. Special abilities that God gives to each believer. If you are a believer in Christ, you cannot say that God, well, he just hasn't given me anything. He has, you've just been too lazy to find it. Because to say that God does not give you spiritual gifts is to call and his word a liar. And so, special abilities God gives to each believer through his Holy Spirit. Why does he give you these special abilities? It's not to jump higher than the tallest building and to run faster than a locomotive. It is to encourage and build up other believers and to grow Christ's church. To strengthen the church and prepare others for the work of service. It's just like a volleyball team. You have been given the gift to be able to volley a volleyball so that your whole team can volley that volleyball together and to to win competitions. And we are all in that situation to where we are working together trying to help one another. So what was the issue that Paul was dealing with here? Some of the believers in the church of Corinth took great pride in the fact that some of the gifts were perceived as more valuable than others. The gift of teaching, the gift of being able to have discernment, the gift of having great faith. And even back then, oh, if you could speak in tongues, you were more spiritual than everybody else. That's that's what they were talking about. When people use their spiritual gifts... For their own needs, rather than benefiting others, division occurs. If you take God's special abilities that God has given you, and you do it to build your kingdom and His, then that is wrong. But also, when people refuse to use their spiritual gifts, it paralyzes the work of the church. We'll see more on that next week as we look at the second half of chapter 12. So when he talks in verse 2 about pagans and speechless Idols, as I said, their idols never spoke to them. If they were worshiping Greek gods, even today, people that are worshiping God other than Yahweh, the one true God, their God doesn't speak to them. Their God doesn't intercede for them. Their God doesn't save them. All he does is demand them to do acts to earn their whatever salvation they're talking about. Why do I say that? Because all of these other... I would. I would say religion, but I would say these cults are not centered around Jesus Christ, but they are centered around the works that you do. But their idols never spoke to them. But God spoke to them by His Spirit, and He even spoke to them through the gift of prophecy. When they were lost, they were under the control of demons. We saw that in chapter 10, 
verse 20, where he said, look, these are people, they are, they are not Christians, they are worshiping things that are not God, and it's controlling them, and it's demonic activity that's doing it. You can't tell me when you look at what's happening in our streets of this community, of our city, of our world, when you look at your news feed, when you see the things are going on, they may not have a name for the God that they are worshiping, but most often it is themselves, it is self-pleasure, it is drugs, it is, is crime, it is all these things that people are worshiping. You can slap a label and you can call it bail, you can call it whatever God you want to, but it's people that are not worshiping God that are things that people are putting things ahead of God that are not God, and it's causing what we're in, and the, the demonic presence is running wild. Now, I'm not going to talk, we're not going to become demon hunters this morning, all that, but I will tell you if you believe in angels, you have to believe in demons. Because demons are what? Fallen angels, and the Bible records. That. Well, but now the Spirit of God lives in them. Now the Spirit of God lives in them. And so we see here that regardless of our background, Christians confess the same Lord. That's what Paul was trying to tell them. Look, you used to be worshiping this other way. You may not have been worshiping at all. But the one thing, church, he's reminding the church at Corinth, no matter what side of the street you come from, no matter... What you have in your past as far as worship, what denominations you've been, or what, what if you've been in things that weren't even Christian, or if you come together and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you come to this church, the one thing that we all have in common is the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's quit arguing about what divides us, and let's start talking about what unifies us. And then we see that Spiritual gifts, they testify to God's plan for diversity. Here we go. Here we go. The preacher's talking about diversity. That is a buzzword today, is it not? When we start talking about, well, diversity could handle race. Now it could handle gender or non-gender or, or all the, you know, all these, you know, I I don't even want to get into that, but everybody wants representation. Everybody wants diversity. And so what I want you to see, though, is that let's take away the world's definition of diversity, if you don't mind, for the next few minutes. And let's look at God's plan for diversity. Would you believe this, that God is into diversity? Would you believe that God encourages diversity? Would you believe that his goal for a church is diversity? Not in the way that we are seeing covered in the media. Not in the way that we're seeing in our homes. Not in the way that we are seeing shoved down our throats. But the diversity, let's look at this. Verses 4 through 6. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But... The same Spirit is the source of them all. So he's talking about the special gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. Look, there are different gifts, but the same source. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. So Paul is going to go on 
to list some nine spiritual gifts in the following verses and in other places. And there is a need for diversity of gifts. Yet there is only one giver who works through those diverse gifts. So when I say God's plan for diversity in the church, again, when it comes to His Word, He wants people to bow down to His Word. He wants people to yield to His Word, regardless of their color, just like these Gentiles, regardless of what they came from. You can come to Christ. You can have the love of Christ. You can be convert. You can become a Christian. And then when you do that, you're going to get gifts. But hey, here's the cool thing. God is so diverse that He is going to bring specific people that are gifted in specific ways at specific times. I don't know about y'all, but if you've ever tried to put a puzzle together and there is only, or let's say there are 20 pieces, but it's only one shape, it's not going to work, is it? If everything is one color, it's not going to work. If everything is, is, is lined one way, it's not going to work. So God displays and he pours out his miraculous power in different ways, but it is always the same God doing the work. And now we see in this verse, we see a glimpse of the Holy Trinity. Do you see that there? Go back and look at verses 4 through 6. You see all three of them mentioned. The same Spirit, the same Lord, and the fact that God works. Now, let's jump into verses 7 through 10. Paul gives us a list of spiritual gifts in verses 7 through 10. And I have to give you this disclaimer. We're not going to talk about spiritual gifts. Excuse me, we are going to talk about spiritual gifts even more in our journey through 1 Corinthians. So the list that Paul gives here is not in all things are included. It is not an exhaustive list. But these are the ones that Paul felt were most important at the time as he was teaching the church at Corinth. So let's start with verse 7. He says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now here's a list of the gifts. To one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Some translations say to give a word of wisdom. There are some people that they know what to say. I know some people that I have in my life that they don't say a whole lot. But when they say something, you know it's going to be good because they've been listening and they've been thinking about what they were going to say. Just as opposed to some other people, they just talk before they think. But being able to speak succinctly with wisdom, and not only wisdom, but God's wisdom is a gift, and some people are gifted in that way. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Some translations say the word of knowledge. And we're going to go back and look at these real quick. The same Spirit gives great faith. So great faith is a spiritual gift to another. And someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Oh, we're going to be talking crazy today. Talking about healing. There's one person the power to perform miracles. And another the ability to prophecy, to prophesy. 
and given someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. That is a spiritual gift of discernment. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, meaning various tongues. While others, another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So he's reminding the church in Corinth, every one of you, God has given you a special gift, a power that you can use to do the work of God, to build the church, and to build glory for him. I like the way Tony Evans says in his commentary, he says, different Christians are given different gifts. One person does not have every spiritual gift. I look at these. I do not have all of these gifts. But as I look and I read these things, there are some of them that God has given us other people that have. God does this for believers to see the need to depend on one another as we exercise these gifts in the church. And furthermore, one and the same Spirit distributes all of them. And here's the thing, folks. Believe it or not, you don't get to choose your gift. That is what God has given you. And the Spirit gives it as He sees fit. Look, I'm going to tell you, as He looked at you and He said, look, I see you right there. I made you specifically. And even when you were in your mother's womb, I knew the most delicate parts of your body and knit them together. And I know you so well that I know this is the gift paired with your personality. This is what I'm going to give you. And you are going to be able to do my work and you are going to be able to complete a church by the gift. So when you go to some of you think, oh, I'm just coming to this church because somebody invited me. I'm coming to this church because my family's always come here. I'm coming to this church. Whatever reason you're coming to this church, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, God has brought you to this church because of your gifts. And that he knows that you and I together, if we make him the sole purpose in what we do, that we can do amazing things together. He knows what you and his kingdom need better than you do. So trust him to supply you with the abilities to do it. And then we move on to actually look at a description of the gifts. Let's look at the first one, word of wisdom, wise advice. This is the unique ability to speak forth the wisdom of God, especially in an important situation. Again, we have some people that when our church is going through decisions and we're trying to to work through issues together, there are some people that, that we know that God has just given them the wisdom to do something. Biblical examples would be Stephen, the first martyr, and Paul in Acts 23. Their boldness of sharing the gospel of Jesus, they were bold in it. And they, they, that's the thing about Paul. If you read him, when he is sharing the gospel, he knows exactly what is what to say and what not to say. God has given him the wisdom to do that. Then we see the message of special knowledge. This is the ability to declare knowledge that could not be revealed only supernaturally as shown with Jesus. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will give people special knowledge. But here's the thing. You have to be careful. If if you say that you've got that gift... And you say, well, you know, God gives me special knowledge. 
you have to be careful because some people might take that out of context. When someone uses this phrase, you better watch out. You ready? The Lord told me. That's funny. He didn't tell me. I remember back, there were some kids that were in my youth group. They went off to college. And there was this woman that had a Bible study at her house, so-called self-proclaimed prophet. And she began to teach them things that were not in the Bible. And it screwed a lot of them up. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, look, if I ever use a phrase, the Lord has told me, I've used it very rarely. But if anybody ever says that, that it's legitimate, there are people that have special knowledge. When somebody says, the Lord told me, it better be backed up in Scripture. It better fall in line with this, because if it is something that is not biblical or self-serving or telling you just what you want to hear, you be careful and you run in the other direction. So examples of spiritual knowledge here in the scriptures, we see a couple of them. Uh, Matthew 17, we see that Jesus knew that there would be a coin in the, fi- in the mouth of a fish. Paul knew that they were going to be shipwrecked. God gave them that knowledge. That was knowledge that everybody did not have at the time, but God gave it to them. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will give a believer special knowledge so that they can explain what is happening or what is going to happen. Then we see great faith. Let me go ahead and say this. All of these gifts, we all have a measure of that. All of us are required to have faith. But some are gifted with the ability to have great faith. For example, faith is a part of every believer's life, right? we got to have faith. But the gift of faith is a unique ability to trust God in all circumstances. This is someone that if they are going through hardships or they are going through martyrdom, they, it can be seen as faithfulness. When I see this, I think of... Many years ago, when they had the Columbine massacre, and there were these teenage girls that were in youth groups, and they were they were in Bible studies at school, and, and the killer said, are you a Christian? And they said, yes, they would not renounce, and they lost their life for it. I think of people overseas right now, that there are armies that have guns pointed at them. Will you renounce Christ? No, I will not. And they lose their lives for that. There are people that are showing great faith in this world today. That is a gift, because we all think... Man, if we got into a situation where we had to either claim Christ or renounce Christ, we don't know what we would do. Some people would say, that's no problem because I have enough faith that it's going to happen. Great faith to do great things. Well, what is a biblical example of that? I think a great example would be Peter. If you remember in Matthew 14, he did something that nobody else would do. Remember what it was? They were on the water. They were professional fishermen, and they were all freaking out because of the storm. So that's, you know, it's like that old thing, don't get scared until I get scared. Well, when the professional fishermen were scared, you knew it was time to, it was bad. But still, Jesus is in that storm, and all these people are talking about how bad the storm is, how they're taking on water, and they don't know if the boat's going to take it. But what does Peter do? He jumps out of the boat into the water. Nobody else in that boat thought of that. They said, he thought, this is Jesus. I'm going to run out to meet him. Dude, you're on water. I don't care if I swim, 
run, whatever it takes. That's Jesus, and He's going to help us. He showed great faith, and I've seen that in your lives, and I've seen that in my life. There are times when things are hard. There are times when you get a health diagnosis you didn't want. There are times when a job doesn't work out like you wanted. There's a time where a relationship sours. There's a time in a church where there are hard times. There are these times coming up, but yet there are always people, not everybody, but there's God will bring somebody who has great faith to say, hold on and let's keep going. Trust Jesus and let's keep moving. That is somebody that has great faith. Then we have healing. This is God's healing power and applies to those who facilitate God's healing and to those that receive it. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you have this gift, this is not a license to start a YouTube channel where you go around healing strangers. Okay, this is not it. We've seen good examples of healers, and we've seen awful examples of healers. And I know that along denominational lines, people vary on these gifts. But right now, for our purpose, we're just talking about what the Bible says. The healings that were demonstrated in the New Testament. Now, look, I'm not talking about... What you, I mean, y'all, some of y'all are old enough to remember the television evangelist and the people that would go all around and, you know, throw their coat on somebody and they would fall down and all that kind of stuff like that. Look, I, another sermon for a whole other time. I'm saying biblically, biblically, the demonstrated in the New Testament were for specific reasons at specific times that they were initiated by God and not a person. Do you see the difference? That's not me saying, hey, who wants to be healed? I'm going to take off my coat and throw it on you. That's not what this is saying. This is saying because if you do that, then all of a sudden, what about the person that didn't get healed? You know, it, it, it's, it's a trap. But what I can say is that there are moments to where maybe it has been praying with somebody. Maybe it has been God actually telling this person to, to lay hands on that person. It, 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 it has happened. Don't, don't get me wrong. And it, there are still people getting healed today. They'll say, well, preacher, I went back to the doctor and they said it's gone. Well, praise the Lord. And we don't know why God heals some and doesn't heal others. But the thing is that there are some that are given the gift of healing. It is not, hey, I'm going to set up a healing booth out here in the community and you come by and I'll heal you. That's not it. It is when Jesus prompts us and says, hey, do this. It is very random and it is only by God. So if there is a healing that is done, it is not the healer doing it, but it is the one who brings the healing, the Holy Spirit. And that is the difference. Paul Paul cured people of diseases, but we know because of Acts 19, verses 11 through 12, we also know that Paul cured people with diseases, but he could not cure Timothy, or even for Paul, he could not remove whatever thorn in the flesh that he had. So he could in one instance and not in the other. Does that mean he was a healer or not? Yes, he had the gift of healing because God initiated him to do it. All of these gifts are because God initiates it in your life. And then we have miracles. The term miracle literally means dynamis, where we get the term dynamite from. It is an act of power. 
And there are times, rare times, where God will work and do things either through you, around you, or in you. He will do things that defy the laws of nature. We've heard stories about people that have gotten super strength when a loved one is pinned under a car or something and they lift it up. Or they, you know, we've heard about all these different things. It could happen. There are times when God does give people the gift of miracles. But again, I wouldn't call someone a miracle worker if they had that gift. It's not like they can generate miracles. Oh, you want a miracle? Come on, meet me in my office after church and we'll, we'll work up a miracle. It doesn't work like that, does it? It is people being facilitated by God to do these things. Uh, a great example of that would have been Peter when he healed a crippled beggar. And then there's prophecy. This is the ability to share God's message in accordance with God's word and what's going on around us, current workings. But it also sometimes can kind of, through their teaching and through the lessons, give you a glimpse into the future. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be one of those people who say, well, God's given me the gift of prophecy and the Lord back on this date. We know you can't say that because the Bible says even Jesus doesn't know when he's returning. But the thing is that there are times God has given me, you know, I'm just saying for me personally, God has given me the ability to sometimes, I won't say it's like 100% clairvoyant. I'm not like a median or anything. I'm not going to be crossing over with whatever that guy's name was. I can't see dead people. I can't do seances. I don't want to do any of that stuff. But there are times where God has said in in my spirit, the Holy Spirit has said, say this, do that, because this may be coming up. And there are times, believe it or not, when, when when I preach here, when I'm teaching, and when I'm talking to people, there are times where literally my mouth is moving and I don't know what I'm saying. You're saying, yeah, preacher, we get it. But no, seriously, there are times when I go back and I listen to a part of the sermon or I, and I, people say, well, I, I loved it when you said this. And I go back and there's nowhere in my notes. That's the Holy Spirit, folks. That's the Holy Spirit. And then we uh, continue to see that uh, there is discernment. Discern whether a message is from the gift, from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Folks, God gives you a spirit to be able to discern between true preaching, doctrine, what is of God and what is of not. Again, this is crucial because, I mean, think about it. There are some people that it doesn't matter what I could say or anybody would say, any preacher, any any voice, they could just preach and everything they say, oh, yeah, that, that's right. Go on, preacher. But then there will be some people that can say, what did he say? You know, that, that ain't right. That, he took that out of context. This, this isn't good. And people can discern between what is right and wrong. And why does God people bring those people into the church? Not to aggravate the pastor, but to protect the church from people that would come in and say things and teach things that are not biblical. We need those watchers of the gate that know their theology, that know their Bible, that know what's right, that know what's wrong, and are gifted in that area. Why is that? Did you know Satan appears as an angel of light? I know everybody thinks that Satan is this little 
red character with horns and a pitchfork and a long tail. That is an artist rendering of somebody that drew that. The truth is, the devil is beautiful. If he wasn't beautiful, they wouldn't be so tempting. He is an, he presents himself as the angel of light. So if somebody says that Jesus is the light of the world and Satan protect, pro, projects himself as an angel of light, you could have the light and not know the difference between Satan and Jesus. It happens. We have seen cults where people have ended up giving their lives because some madman took what scripture had and distorted it to something that was not scripture at all. Satan can speak right after God speaks. These are biblical examples of that. There can be lying spirits in the mouths of prophets. Sometimes people who seem to say the right things are really saying things from the devil. Somebody with discernment, the main thing they can do is test the word. And then we get to speaking tongues. We're going to talk a lot about speaking tongues later on. So this is just kind of an an introduction. I know some of you think, well... Is, is speaking in tongues right? Is speaking in tongues wrong? We're going to cover that. But the thing is, is that in the church at Corinth, at this time, this was a thing. Speaking in tongues is a legitimate gift of the Holy Spirit that demands some guidelines that we'll cover in chapter 14. The gift of tongues is a personal language of prayer given by God, whereby the believer can communicate with God beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. But check this out. When you attempt to learn any new language, there has to be an agreement between those that are studying that language. This is the word. This is what it means. Right? So when using the gift of tongues, we agree with God as the Holy Spirit is praying through us. We may not understand what we are praying at times, but God does. But in light of Acts chapter 2, Uh, It is said that the Holy Spirit gave the Christians on Pentecost the ability to speak with different languages. We are safe to say that the ability mentioned here is the ability to speak in an unlearned language. Now, when tongues, that's in that moment, in that time. But there are churches, there are denominations that still practice speaking in tongues today. When the tongues are practiced in the corporate life of a church, it must be very controlled. Now, I know some of you Pentecostal backgrounds will say, that's the whole thing about tongues. You don't control it. You just let it fly. Look, I understand that. But when it comes to worship, when it comes to worshiping together, if God has given you the gift of tongues, it is, again, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? To build up the church. If somebody stands up in church going, and nobody interprets it, nobody says what it means, then all they have done is disrupt the church. Speaking in tongues was for a purpose and a time, but any of these spiritual gifts, including tongues, if there is going to be somebody gifted to say it, there is going to be somebody gifted to interpret it. And lo and behold, if you are a tongue speaker, 
back in that day, or even those who believe that you can still do it today, if you are speaking in tongues, it does not point back to you. It does not point to a situation in your church. It does not point to a political party. It points back to God for the purpose of building up the church. We'll talk more about that later. Finally, verse 11. Spiritual gifts are for the Holy Spirit to give. Spiritual gifts are for the Holy Spirit to give. He says, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone describes which gift each person should have. What does this mean? These spiritual gifts, again, this is not the whole list. This is what Paul was dealing with. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, you did not earn it. That's why they call it a gift. It was given to you. There is no reason for one person with one spiritual gift to feel like they are better than somebody and more authoritative than somebody that's been giving what some people might consider a lesser gift. Here's the thing about spiritual gifts. When God distributes it through His Holy Spirit, He distributes it by His will for you, not what you want. Oh man, God, you gave me this crummy gift of discernment. Start kicking rocks and the woe is me. I want, I really wanted this whole thing about having special knowledge or God, you, you gave me this thing about great faith, but I really don't want that one. No, it doesn't work like that. God gives you the gifts that He knows you need. Certain gifts are not given because you have mature, you haven't, let me say this again. Certain gifts are not given because you have matured enough as a believer. Again, well, you know what? If I read my Bible and I get on fire with God, I may just end up having the gift of prophecy. No. You may try to be prophetic, but if it's not a gift, you're not going to have it. It is not what the Holy Spirit has gifted you. And these gifts that we are given, they're not used to boast and they're not used to complain. Look, I know I had some friends. I remember in college, I went to a friend's church and it was a full Pentecostal church. And look, I'm not judging some of you are in that background. There may be somebody watching that's been in that. But I'm telling you, this little Baptist boy got an eye opening. You ever heard of somebody being slain in the spirit? I was wanting to call the EMTs. People were, you know. And I thought, wow. And then somebody would stand up. And I'm like, whoa. We don't, we don't even have that much action when we pick up the hymnal. Running and all that kind of stuff. And look, again, I'm not trying to get into that's right or wrong, but I'm just saying for me, it was different. And the thing is, is that in those churches, in those settings, if someone had the gift of tongues, they were seen as more popular and more spiritual than somebody that did not. It's almost like when you're in the Sunday school class and the Sunday school Teacher asks you a question, and everybody does the same thing. They look around and wait for the one person they know is going to answer it to answer it. Now, everybody just say, hey, yeah, you go ahead. Let, let them answer it. So when it came to gifts, when it was time to demonstrate something, it would almost be like, hey, do your thing. And then they would do it, and then they would go on. Now, I know I'm going to get comments after this, and I, I'm sorry. But I'm trying to make the point that whether you have the gift of speaking in tongues or discernment, or service, 
or showing mercy, whatever your gift is, every one of them is important. And if you do have one of these, what I would call high profile gifts, first, you better verify this the Holy Spirit and not what you want. And number two, you better make sure that you're using that gift to build up the church, not your own persona. Because you didn't earn it. You didn't mature enough to get to it. God gave it to you. And then, if you are a believer, you have spiritual gifts. My question is, are you willing to identify them? We had a a place tool that we've taken, and we're still working on trying to implement that in our church, which shows your leadership style, your your personality test, and your spiritual gifts. And it was like pulling teeth to get people to do that, to be honest. I mean, many people did it, and I was so appreciative of that. And now we can kind of see a better, get a better idea of where our church is in giftedness. But there are some of you that are refusing to identify what they are. Well, I don't know, preacher. I'm just going to kind of coast with what I got. That's not why God gave it to you. Are you willing to, are you even willing to use them if you have them? I think if you go back to the parable of the talents and you're that person that says, I know that God has gifted me, but I'm not going to use it. You are that third person. God said, okay, I'm taking what I gave you and giving it to somebody else. If your answer is no to either one of those two questions, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. You have a spiritual problem. If you are a Christian and you are not identifying and exercising and using your gifts to build the church, you have a spiritual problem. Problem. It may be disobedience, it may be apathy, or it just may be you're not even a Christian at all. Because if you refuse to serve God with the gifts He's given you, then you must not love Him. If you don't love the church, you don't love God. Now look, oh my gosh, it's probably time to go. It is time to go. But look, There are people that will say, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. True. You can be in a garage all day long and it doesn't make you a car. I understand that, the act of coming to church. But Jesus died for the church. And if you love Jesus, are you not going to love his bride enough to be involved, to use your gifts To build it up. Homeland Park Baptist Church is thriving today, and I'm grateful for it, on about 40% of the people using their gifts. Imagine what would happen if we increased that to 100%. We, We couldn't keep the place empty. But that's up to you and your relationship with the Lord. Sitting in a pew is great. But it doesn't build those around you. And it doesn't build the church. Your problem is not a mind problem. It is a heart problem. So I'll leave you with this. If you claim to love God, you will love to use your gifts to do His work. If you claim to love God, you will love to use your gifts to do His work. Plain and simple. A believer's secret power and gifts 
comes from the Holy Spirit, and only believers are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. If you've ever thought to yourself, well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? If you do, then you are saved. If you don't, let's talk. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. And this has been a a far out there, heavy message to the church, Lord, to people that are saved, and some of them are soured. But God, you know what you need to do. This is your word. You said it. Paul wrote it. Hearts have received it. If there's anybody here today that want to know you as your Savior, Jesus, as Savior and Lord, so they can receive these gifts that they've heard about, may they do that today. They can come forward, we will pray, and they will, at that moment, receive those gifts that you have for them. And maybe there's somebody in this church that knows they have gifts, but they've been refused or hesitant to use them. May you work on their heart. Maybe someone wants to come to the altar to pray, to rededicate, or maybe they just have another need, whatever it may be. This invitation time is for you, God. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.